This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. Happy Super Bowl Sunday for our American contingent. Uh, I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien. Chris, how are you my friend? So on the subject of spots, um, I don't know if you know this Rob, but um, England and Scotland played yesterday in Twickenham in the rugby, and ha <laughs> you cunt, we beat you. <laughs> I pride myself on watching, you know, a lot of sport. I'm a very sporty person, but rugby is just something that has never held my attention. I've never, I never played it at school. I never liked it. I never really got interested in it, which is weird, seeing as I'm a big American football fan. So I don't well, really quite understand that. Here's the thing, I don't watch rugby, I just know that we beat you, and that's all I care about. I don't give a fuck about the actual sports, but beating England, fuck yeah, fuck you guys. Just blind patriotic pride. Yeah, blind, apparently it's the first time we beat you in Twickenham in decades, so it's like, yeah, go on lads. Like, put on a fucking alcohol tax and suddenly Scotland is good at sports. Fortress Twickenham. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Let's move on. My best friend got married to actually. The longer we talk about sports, the longer people are going to realise I know nothing about sports. I think we should should plumb this. Though, to be fair, you sounded very, very excited when I was talking about the Super Bowl. Well, well, I say very, very excited. You you seemed vaguely interested. You went, who's playing? Yeah, well, to be fair, I had to become very good at pretending I cared about football and skill. Okay. Because, um, but I also had to pretend to care about football that no one else cared about. So they wouldn't call me weird, but also they wouldn't attack me for supporting a certain team. So I just had a support of Bolton Wanderers. Oh, why? Um, because my granddad loved Bolton Wanderers. Fair enough. Fair enough. See, now you seem like a dick. Not really. Bolton Wanderers are shit. <laughs> that's just rude. <laughs> that's rude, that. Aren't you a Newcastle fan? Hey, we're two leagues above you. Um, I will just point out, you do realise American football, completely different sport to English football. Yeah, I know that. But okay. have, it's, basically, <laughs> it's, basically, it's basically rugby for wusses. Oh. Oh. <laughs> On Super Bowl Sunday as well. Bastard. Absolute bastard. Anyway, um, as Chris has said, we should probably move on. It's been a long time since we've done one of these. We apologise, but we are back now, and we're going to try and keep to some sort of weekly schedule as best we can. Um, We're going to do some news, some bits of information uh, leading up to the three shows that we're talking about today. Those are the Osaka shows from the 24th of January, and then the show from the 30th. Um, I know that there's been a show, there was a show on Saturday and a show on Sunday, but at the time of recording, only two matches are up from Saturday, so that'll be next week's podcast um, to listen to. So please stay tuned for that. But heading into the news, just a couple of things, Chris. I want to start with the Stardom Awards uh, 2020, just a couple of notes from this. So um, the Best Skill Award went to Konami. 
fighting spirit went to Tam Nakano. Uh, the best unit was Donna Del Mondo. Best tag team was Aphrodite. Uh, best match was Utami versus Mei Watani from Sendai Cinderella, apparently negating the shit-ass crowd. Um, the special merit award goes to B Priestley. And then Julia swept up both the Shining Award and the MVP. Uh, the Shining Award is fan-voted. Um, anything there that surprises you? Anything that you'd change? Anything that stands out? A couple of things. First of all, what the fuck is the special what the, what the special achievement award or whatever? Is that that sounds like the award they'd give to like the, the useless dopey kid at school? The me is what you're trying to say. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> you're not completely useless. Um, but yeah, that, that just, what, what's that? What is the special achievement award? Is that just because she's in New Japan? I I'm not entirely sure. Um. I, I honestly don't know whether it's, you know, she's made the biggest impact or I I couldn't tell you. Um, I didn't do that much research. I just know that she won the special <laughs> merit. I'll be honest, Chris, you're picking holes in my research, dickhead. I, I still think that now that Julia has two awards, she should come down with and like and replace the Wonder of Stardom Championship with um, a belt made of Tokyo sports issues. <laughs> Well, she now has three separate awards. I mean, I yeah, think this... she should fully lean into the Owen Hart gimmick and just yeah, bring no, them all down to the ring. Have, have it part of a tight? <laughs> yes, I think she should, definitely. And every time someone challenges for a belt, just say, how many awards have you got? None? Absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, you're well, not worth my time. Um, 2007 TNA pay-per-view. Um, we're doing the whole thing where Karen Angle was cheating on Kurt, um, don't play with fire. And <laughs> JB went to talk, tell Angle, and Angle was like, what? Is he taller than me? Does he have gold medals? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love Kurt Angle. Um, the yeah. thing that stands out for me um, from those awards is the the um, award that Julie won. Um, the sh- Is it Shining Star? Is that what it's called? Um, you, that was fan you have voted. one of the research in front of you. You, did, you didn't prep me at all for this section. <laughs> the Shining Award um, is fan voted. And I know that Julia's received, you know, a lot of backlash for, you know, perhaps not recently or as recently, but she received a lot of backlash. So the fact that she's now won an award that is fan voted is great for her. And I think, to be fair, she's thoroughly deserved it. Um, I'd argue that the MVP could have been Mayu, just solely because of you know her phenomenal red belt reign and the phenomenal matches she had in defense of that belt. But I'm not exactly disgruntled the fact that Julia won that, and I am really happy that fans. You know, obviously I know it's based in Japan, but I'm happy that fans are coming round to Julia. I think it's good. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> Let's move on then. So. Looking at Budokan, which of course is less than a month away, which is bizarre. It seems like time well, is tra- time going really, really quick. Don't, it- don't make a depressing <laughs> joke about time. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. God damn it. 
Um, but I want to talk about a few things here, and all of the translations that I'm going to talk about are courtesy of at one two 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 Dragon Moon on Twitter. Um, so thank you to them. Um, they've translated a lot of the stuff from Japanese publications so that we can read them, which is amazing. And they've translated something from Bushi Road's president Takaki Kidani, and he's looked back on 2020 and he's outlined stardom's future prospects on Shupro. So this is what he had to say. Um, the Budokan show on the 3rd of March will not only showcase what stardom has accomplished over the past decade, but also serve as the starting point for its much greater success. And that makes sense, you know, putting Sayakamatani in the Red Bell match. Despite the COVID-19 setbacks, stardom's sales have almost doubled in the last year. Once we establish a strong fan base in two years, you'll see a switch from linear to exponential revenue growth. So I believe things will have got really interesting two and a half years from now. The announcement of Stardom's Budokan show made huge impact, but would never happen without COVID-19. In normal times, it'd look bad with many empty seats. But with the ongoing restriction, a few thousand fans in attendance should be enough to hold a show at Budokan. If you want to see a wrestling promotion grow bigger, Stardom is the best choice. Now, it's still not big enough to expand the business, but the roster full of young, talented wrestlers ensures its continued growth. Our goal is to hold Stardom's biggest show at the Tokyo Dome in 2025. Um, just piggybacking on the back of that, um, what was Niagara Driver um, is now at Armani Shoe on Twitter. Um, they actually made a note... <laughs> I thought I had no idea about the Niagara Drive. <laughs> um, they will started releasing the tickets for the Budokan show on the 27th of January. And in the first 10 minutes, it looks like the show sold out the $1,000 VIP seats and ladies seats. And that's in the first 10 minutes. So first of all, Chris, I think the thing that jumps out to me is obviously... Our goal is to hold Stardom's biggest show at the Tokyo Dome in 2025. Um, it's an ambitious goal. I like it. I mean, if you asked any Stardom fan, do you think they'll be running Budokan? Um, I'm pretty sure every one of them would have said no. And it's interesting that they've said without COVID, this wouldn't have happened. You know, we know we can't sell out Budokan, but this has actually given us a real opportunity. So it's good that they're acknowledging that. Um, the fact that their sales have almost doubled in 2020, when you consider everything that has gone on in the year 2020, how much of a fucking bastard of a year 2020 was, and Stardom's sales have almost doubled. That's phenomenal growth. If they continue with that growth, then I have no doubt that a Tokyo Dome show in four years' time is more than achievable. You know, I'm I'm not for a minute saying that they are going to achieve 40,000 people to the Tokyo Dome. But, you know, if you can get a stardom show in front of, what, 15, 20,000 people? You know, reaching for 20,000 people? That's, that's an astonishingly ambitious target, which I'm really glad to see that they're doing. They're not just resting on the laurels. They're looking to expand. Um, what about you, Chris? What jumps out to you about that interview? Well, you know what else correlates with Stardom's growth? The Stardom cast. So what you're saying is <laughs> that we are almost single-handedly responsible for the growth of Stardom. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and Sean Bohavis' English commentary. 
will be better than fucking Kevin Kelly. Oh, um, we'll Kevin get Chris, Kelly. Leave him alone. We'll get Chris Charlton involved. You know, get him away from that shit ass promotion. Need Japan. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, like running a Tokyo Dome show. Like when you think of the current climate, where the only person who really can do that is New Japan. Because uh, who? Because basically, Noah and DDT came together and went. Now we'll maybe host a Tokyo Dome show at some point. Mm. So it's incredibly ambitious. But also, again, if they keep growing, I don't see why not. Because it's weird. Like, I'm, Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But there's a certain point um, where you just have to jump from Budokan to Tokyo Dome. Like, there's not yeah. like an in-between venue in sort of that capacity. It's sort of like how in Edinburgh you sort of have um, 500, then 2,000, and then fucking Merrifield. So no, no one outside of Edmund is going to fucking know what I'm talking about. But you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I I get like, what you mean. Yeah. So yeah, it makes sense. It can't be worse. It can't draw worse than New Japan did. Um, what in 2004, 2005? I think it was they only drew like nine thousand people to the dome. Yeah, early noughties. You're looking at not necessarily bad draws, but certainly poorer draws than the game in more recent well, years. Well done, Anoki. Okay. Um, I I'm. It seems like stardom is on just an astronomical course upwards. You know, when, when they're gaining they, when they momentum. Double sales, um, what are we talking about? Is that like merch or subscription? We'll it doesn't about. specify. It just says sales. I mean, obviously, okay. it's not going to be ticket sales. So you would assume merch, subscriptions to Stardom World, things like that, I imagine. Yeah, I can't think of what else it would be. Do fair, they've just released that they've just um opened up their worldwide store, haven't they? Yes, yes, they have. Um I can... Yeah, I can Yeah. <laughs> it's probably merch then. Like if they feel comfortable um opening up a worldwide store, a lot of it's probably merch. If you consider the fact that Stardom's growth has almost doubled from mm-hmm. where they were in two thousand and nineteen. And you consider that the last show of 2019, they shot, they sold out Corrigan for the first time. Oh, no, it was the start, sorry, the start of January, didn't they? They sold it out for the ninth anniversary show. And then without fans, without being able to do the meet and greets, which I know has a large percentage of their gross income, they didn't have any of that for 2020. You've got all that to come back. You've got ticket sales to come back. You've got full Corricans to come back. So the only way is going to be up at least for the next 12, 18 months, you know, when this pandemic finally is under control. It's it's a really exciting time to be watching Stardom because you do feel like they are reaching for the stars. You know, they are starting to outgrow, you know, the Shinkiba pit and you know, Shinjuku face and, you know, the smaller venues. So it's an exciting time. I, I'm I'm excited for Budokan. Um which actually brings me to my next point. Um because parts of the card have now been announced. Um obviously m- matches that we knew. Um so you have the main event of Utami versus Saikamatani, which we spoke about at the end of the last podcast, Natsupoi versus Azumi, you've got Yushiko versus Mayu that's been made official, which we're going to talk about in a moment, and Momo Watanabe versus Nene Takahashi, which again has been made official, and we'll talk about in a minute when we talk about seedling. 
But also, um, the 10th anniversary premium All-Star Rumble, um, which is going to be taking place. They've announced some of the participants. Now, please forgive me if, you know, you are listening to this and you are a seasoned Joshi veteran, you know who these people are. I know a couple of names, and I've done a bit of research on a couple of the names just because, you know... I wanted to know who they were. If you want to watch um, a VTR introduction to all these people, Stardom have actually got one of those on their Twitter feed at the moment. So I'll just run through the names and then I'll talk to you about them, Chris, afterwards. So the announced um, participants at the moment are Yuzuki Aikawa, uh, Yoko Bito, Momo Nakanishi, uh, Kaguma, Haruka Kato, who's also known as Harukazi or Harukazi. I apologise if I butchered that pronunciation. Uh, Yuna Manas, uh, Hiromi Mimiura, and Miho Wakazawa, or Waki for short. So those are the participants as of the moment. No Kairi Sane at the moment. Um, What do you think? (laughs) Are there names you are familiar with? Are there names you're not particularly familiar with? I mean, I look at those names and... Um, Aikawa, I'm familiar with. You know, she was the first Wonder Stardom champion, the longest reigning uh, Wonder Stardom champion at 618 days. Um, she was the first Goddesses of Stardom champion. Um, she was, you know, a main eventer right in the, you know, the very first days of Stardom. I know about Yoko Bito, um, or Yoko Bito. I don't know how to pronounce it. I assume it's one of those two. Um, because of her run, you know, winner of the five star in 2016, uh, two times. Goddess of Stardom champion. Um, she winner of the first ever tag league with Aikawa. Um, Finals of the five star in 2017, where she lost to Tony Storm. So I know her. And the other one, or the other two that I know, are Yuna Manas. And that's only because, obviously, we saw her uh, re-debut for Stardom at Yokohama Cinderella back in October. And uh, Momo Nakanishi. And I only know Momo Nakanishi because of her work in All Japan Women. Uh, she's two-time All Japan Women's Champion, one-time All Japan Women Junior Champion. She's decorated as fuck. Um, and I know that she was last She's season. only 40? Wow, sorry, I didn't realise she was only 40. Sorry. Well, I'm pretty sure she was in the Rumble at No People Gate in March 2020, wasn't she? Oh, I think she was. Hang on, I'll double-check that right now. I'm sure she was, because I'm, sure, um, I'm sure I remember thinking, I know her. Oh, yeah, she was, along with, of course, Super Stardom Machine and Captain Stardom. The three faces of Sayurida. The three faces of Sayurida. <laughs> we just need a deathmatch version and we're there. Um, yeah, in terms of who I know, it's basically the same as you. <laughs> like, literally just the same people. Yeah. Um, Yoko Bio is one I'm surprised to see, to be honest. I've heard so many seasoned stardom fans talk about Yoko Bito, so I'm I'm excited to see her again. I've seen some um, Yoko Bito just because um, when you go back, she's in like a lot of the main events against like Kyrie and Io, so makes sense to have her there, too, especially if you're trying to celebrate Josie. But in terms of like what's going to be there, it's a rumble, so it's just gonna like not to use this term in the most endearing way possible. It's just going to be a bit of bollocks in it. Yeah, it's certainly not going to be a five-star event, um, but it's going to be nice to see what is, you know, chapters of Stardom's history, and it's going to be nice to give them, you know, a little bit of respect as we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of this company. Um, There's a couple of names I'm not familiar with at all. I wasn't familiar with Kaguma, 
Um, I'd only heard the name once, and that was because it was who Mayu beat in the first Cinderella tournament. I don't know why I knew that, but that's <laughs> there we are. I imagine sometimes you just um, scroll Mayu's Wikipedia page. <laughs> um, Haruka Kato or Harukaze, again, please um, correct my pronunciation if I got that wrong. She's still active in DDT. Um, as is Yuna Manas, um, more Tokyo jo- uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, I'm not familiar at all with, um, to give her a nickname, Wacky, um, or Mimura. I'm not familiar with them at all, to be perfectly honest. So it's nice to see this. I mean, one of the great things about being new to stardom, as I am really, it's it's nice to look at the history and learn more about the history and learn more about the promotion that I'm watching. So I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to know more about it, Chris. <laughs> well, it's such a radio host way of putting it. It was. It was. Um, let's carry on then. So, what I did want to talk to everyone about, and this, uh, this is, you know, the biggest news to be perfectly honest, coming out of at least seedling this. Um, these last couple of weeks, um, Mayu Iwatani, Momo Watanabe, and Saya Ida turned up in seedling on the 22nd of January uh, in response to Yoshiko turning up on the video screen at Corican. Um, and that was where the matches were made official. Mayu Iwatani versus Yoshiko and Momo Watanabe versus Nene Takahashi. They were made official at that seedling show. Um, it was also confirmed later on that at the start at the seedling show on the 10th of February, um, we are going to see Arisa Nakajima and Nene Takahashi taking on Momo Watanabe and Saya Ida. Um, Chris, are you excited for this? Um, yeah, because I'm now a seedling fan. Really? Because. Um... I ended up watching the two shows from this year, and both tag team main events were very good. And the quickest way to my heart is a good tag team main event. <laughs> and so, because like um, the match on the show we were just talking about was um, Nakajima and Nene versus Sari and Yoshiko, and Jesus Christ, it banged so hard. Like it's one of those matches where I can't explain why I like it; it just bangs. And it was great. And it's weird because earlier I watched the whole show. And earlier in the show, um, they came out, and I'm just <laughs> sitting there, not realizing what the fuck it, they're saying because there's no subtitles because it's a live feed. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm really into it. I, I can someone fight already? Um, and it was weird because it was like tracksuit wars. They were all in like their company tracksuits, and I'm sorry, Seedling just have cooler tracksuits. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I am a big, big fan of the new Stardom tracksuits. <laughs> Big fan. Yeah, but but the seedling ones are just cooler. All right, okay. They are though. Have you seen them? They're so cool. You heard it here first. Chris is team seedling. I'm I'm team seedling when it comes to the trackies. <laughs> um, like, I'm I'm sitting on the fence because I don't want either side to be mad at me. <laughs> we will both be watching this. We haven't quite established how we're going to watch it yet. Um, because it's Wednesday the tenth of February. Um. I believe it's a pay-per-view, or so you were informing me, Chris, before we came on air. So we're not entirely sure how we're going to watch it, but we are going to try and watch it, and we'll review it on Sunday's show along it'll with the shows. Up. It'll turn up somewhere. Wrestling always does. 
yeah, we'll find it somewhere. We've, I'm very excited to watch it. I must admit, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. It does seem that Sayreda Blesser is there to take the pin, which is <laughs> really unfortunate. When's but, she not there to take it? But she's basically Reptar, except Reptar never lost. Exactly, exactly. Let's move on then, Chris. <laughs> Let's get on to the first of these three shows that we're going to be looking at today. Um, the first two were on the same day, the 24th of January, as we wrap up the Stardom New Year's Stars Tour. Um, Osaka Japan, the afternoon show from the Edian Arena, Osaka number two, in front of 229 fans. Um, just whip through the first couple of matches. We started with Natsukatora defeating Ruaka at 7 minutes and 9 seconds with the Ascension. Um, and match two, I'm going to briefly talk about this one, actually. Uh, Cosmic Angels, the team of Tam Nakano and Yunagi Sayaka, defeated Stars, uh, Starlight Kid and Sayaida at 10 minutes and 21 seconds with the Tiger Suplex. Chris, did you uh, did you watch this one? Um, I don't, yeah, I did, but I have no thoughts on it. Don't worry. It it wasn't overly important, to be perfectly honest. I'm, throughout these three shows, I'm going to be tracking Unagi, and there's there's a reason I'm tracking Unagi. So, this is basically a very understandably safe match, as, you know, or, or three quarters of this match are in higher profile matches in the evening. Um... Tam taking a pop at stars in the opening promo saying check it out was entertaining. Um, but it was mainly good to see Yunagi show some brief fire while she was attacking the arm of Sayurida. We've we've seen very, very little of Yunagi's offense. You know, very, very little of her having fire behind that offense. And she showed brief little glimpses of it here, which was brilliant, which is what we need to see. Um, the Starlight Kid and Tam Nakano exchange was really, really good. As you know, me and you raved over their match at Corican about how good it was. So, just an extension of that, and you really feel the competitive nature between Cosmic Angels and Stars, especially in this match. Um, and then we got a disgusting high angle German suplex from Tam, which was absolutely disgusting. Um, I gave it two and three quarter stars. It was. Just short of three stars. Um, it was, like I say, it was a bit safe, completely understandably. But it's good to see that we've got some manner of progress from Unagi. Yeah, Let- well, to be fair, I have more to say about Unagi's progress later on in the shows. Yeah, no, so have I. So uh, it should be quite an interesting conversation. Um <laughs> Match three then. Aphrodite defeated Mei Watani and Lady C at 10 minutes and 45 seconds with the Star Crusher. Before we get into the match, Chris, and I'll throw to you for your thoughts on the match first, the Aphrodite promo is excellent. And I love <laughs> the way they're building the tension between Sayakamatani and Yutami Hayashita. I love the way that they're building it through comedy. I mean, this one was brilliant because you've got um, Saya completely deadpanning Utami's joy at being on the front of Weekly Pro Wrestling. It's it's brilliant. Like, she doesn't even look at her. It's amazing. And throughout these three shows, you'll notice that they don't stand together, even though they're a tag team. They don't look at each other, even though they're a tag team. And 
the miscommunication between the two gets more and more and more as the nights go on. And it's really subtle, but I love it. It's amazing. And is their match at Budokan going to be fantastic? I don't know. Um, there's been, you know, there's a couple of matches where Saya Kamatani has been a little bit rough on these three shows, but the way they're building it very subtly without going over the top, I really, really enjoyed it. As for the match, Chris, I know that you were intrigued by Lady C being put into a prominent position. How do you think she fared? Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about this while, well, obviously it was because, you know, I was taking notes. But I was thinking about this while I was watching it, and I was like, I was thinking back because, like yourself, I watched the Rumble this past weekend. And while I did enjoy the Women's Rumble, you see people like Mandy Rose and Nia Jax and um, Dana Brooke, who in stardom would be considered fucking veterans for how long they've been going. Like five, six years. Especially Nia Jax. Especially Nia... No, actually, Dana Brooke's been going longer than you think. Oh, she? Um, Same with Mandy. Mandy was in, like, 2015 Tough Enough. So she has at least a few years' experience below her belt. And, what, four years now on the main roster? And they're all garbage. They're all completely garbage wrestlers with no sense of how to do anything. And then you see Lady C, who already has, like, the basics down. Like, she did what she had to do here while there was some moments of a bit of knees, but she's had, what, 30 matches? as opposed to, like, some of the people in Matt Rumble who would have had matches in the thousands. You know, like, I think it's sort of a great um, account for the way Sardom trains wrestling at Lady C. Didn't feel completely out of place this early on in her career. Like, let me put it this way. She felt, less out of place here. she felt less out of place here than Mina or um, Unagi felt in the first couple of weeks in Sardom which is mad to me. She seems to have grasped the in-ring aspect really, really quickly. Like, she, you know, she's not doing anything flashy. She is ultimately still a rookie. But she's doing the basics very, very, very well. And during this match, it didn't stand out that she was a rookie. And I think that's the biggest compliment you can pay her. Because, you know, if you'd stuck her in there and she'd stunk up the joint, then, you know, everyone's going to talk about how she's still a rookie, she shouldn't be in that match, blah, 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 blah. But the fact that this match was actually pretty good and Lady C paid a part of that, I think it's, a, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think it pays great testament to how Stardom changed their wrestlers because she's coming. We spoke on her debut about how she had just a little bit of sort of personality, a little bit of attitude and she seems to be coming up with coming out with that a little bit more every time she's in the ring and the moves that she's doing yes are very basic it's a lot of kicks a lot of slams as you would expect with a rookie but she's doing them well and i can't really complain about that at all you know you've got better wrestlers around you to do the other things you do what you need to do very basically very very well and she did to be fair yeah um again for a couple of moments where she didn't was like slightly out of place or something, but she's a rookie. Absolutely. So, yeah. like, for her experience level, she wrestled as good, well, much better than you'd expect. It's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and granted, she's in there with like May, but then like Utami and Saya, they're still fairly young as well. 
So like, it's not a complete carry job because I don't think I think we saw with some of Retire and Sire's, um sorry, um, five star performances. But they can't always carry you if you can't carry your weight. So Lady C was very clearly carrying her weight here. Agreed, and I've, you know the match did what the, it needed to do as well. Yeah, and the, and the fact that she's establishing her personality whilst also grasping the in-ring aspect is really impressive, considering New Japan sometimes literally don't let their young lions do that. Well, they quite literally strip everything away, don't they? That's the whole point. Yeah. You know, you shave your head. Yeah, that's the whole point. Black tights, black boots. Simple yeah, except Jeff Robinson didn't change. If you look back at like Wrath of Kingdom, he didn't shave his head. He still had his fucking dreadlocks. We'll let him off. <laughs> yeah, magnificent dreadlocks. They are but one way man. I will accept having a dreadlocks. The only guy. Anyway, let's continue. It was it was a good match that served to get Saya Kamatani over because that's going to be the job of her next couple of matches to get her over as a mm-hmm. legitimate threat before Budokan in March. Um, yeah. Performing the Star Crusher on someone as tall as Lady C, by the way. Not as easy as it looks, I can imagine. No, so well played. That's impressive. You'd be, I'd be dead worried about dropping them on their neck. Absolutely. And then even post match, I don't know if you notice this, but the Queen's Quest team aren't looking at each other. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a very, very simple, very, very basic storytelling trope, but it's working somewhat, really, really well. Somewhat similar to the Momo build up, except we're not having a build up of Usai is having some bad luck. No, exactly, exactly. Um. I give this two and a half stars, Chris. Yeah, I went two. I actually, I think I went three. Where's my notes? Yeah, I went three. So I was more positive on this one than you are. Fair I enough. think it's mostly because it's hard to give a match with Mayu and Itami <laughs> lower than three. Like their exchanges are always fucking class. Their exchange was tremendous. You know, it, it, it's always going to be, isn't it, when you consider who's there? Mm-hmm. Match four then. Um, tag team action again with the team of Queen's Quest, Azumi and Momo Watanabe defeating Donna Del Mondo, Suri and Natsupoi at 12 minutes and 47 seconds with a roll-up. Jesus Christ, this was outstanding, Chris. <laughs> I didn't expect this to fuck it. Because I had so much going against it. It's on a day show of a two... Uh, a day with two ma- um, two matches where everyone's having two matches. And it's in a small venue in Osaka. Nothing, nothing about this, um, the context of this match would scream, you know what, this is going to bang hard, but this banged super hard. It did. Like, it um, was tremendous. Like, and it's weird, because I look up and down, it's the only match that really sets up, that really has um, two opponents who are actually feuding going into um, various shows, like Shiri and Momo like, uh, feuding going into the next big show and then Azumi and Natsupoi uh feuding going into um Budokan. Budokan. So it, I guess it makes sense for his actual he here. But also what I liked about one sort of thing but telling the story of Momo being on a bit of a downward um spiral, Azumi was constantly saving Momo in this match. It's a it's a weird storyline and I want to talk a little bit more about this during the show on the thirtieth. And I noticed that too. I noticed that too. And I noticed Shuri quite noticeably in this tag match getting the upper hand on Momo. And I know that's, you know, I know that's something that they're working on going into that show, but it's going somewhere, this Momo thing. (laughs) It it is going somewhere. There's, There's a story somewhere 
And I'm very, very intrigued as to where they're going for that. And let's not forget, spoilers, let's not forget that Momo is once again the only person not in a title match at Budokan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not that she's not in a high-profile match, she's in a very high-profile match with Nene, so let's just, you know, it's not that she's been completely misused, but it's just that visual of the fact that everyone else going for the belts, and then when you consider who the next challenger for the SWA belt is, you know, a belt that she's had two shots at since October. So, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. Um, I thought Suri was outstanding here. Um, the first part of this match, you know, all four women had tremendous chemistry, but it's Suri initially directing traffic. I mean, it's ironic that we're doing this on Super Bowl Sunday. She was like a quarterback. Everything went through her for that first half of the match. And it just proves what a commodity she is to this company. I mean, she's got future red belt champion all over her. I mean, she has to be. She's got everything the company wants. Um, Azumi and Natsupoi then compete in just an absolutely fantastic closing stretch well, with all, all the drama, near falls and pace you would expect from a high division match. What, it's a- what I liked about that um, ending was they were doing the roll up and then Momo just strode in and kicked. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was just- brilliant. It was the stroll. It was the stroll into the yeah. ring. Stroll well into the ring. Like, bang! The steamboat willy walk. <laughs> Just whistling and then just fucks. That's <laughs> oh, bless her. Bless Nats. She um, takes a beating over this three over these three shows. Nats boy does. Yeah. Um I really like the exchanges between Momo and Shiri, and not just the kick exchanges, but like the technical one at the start. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. They work they work really well um with each other, especially in a tag setting. And that's something they put into the start. They mirror in their match on mm-hmm. the 30th, with her, which I really like. Yeah, and... Seriously, why did this swap? Why Why was this good? This shouldn't have been good. I feel like... Because I have very little, like, of substance to say about this match. It's just sort of the same thrill I got watching Masao Tanaka versus um, Zeus at the Old Japan card at the beginning of the year. It's like, I don't know how else to put it. It just is really good. It surpassed its job as a mere prelude to their respective singles mm. matches. I mean, it, it was just mm. an excellent tag match on its own in its own little bubble. I think all four mm. women had fantastic chemistry. They brought something different to the fight. And the fact that it only went 12 minutes, you know, it was just bang, 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 bang. And they managed to build it somehow. I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't by any stretch just a car crash from start to finish. You said about the technical exchange between Suri and Momo initially. Absolutely phenomenal. Really, really also- good. And then you Bring in Natsupoi and Azumi, who are absolutely tearing around the ring. It's it all came together really, really well. One thing about Natsupoi, which it's a weird thing to compliment her on, but she's really good at where she places her drop kicks because you won't see a drop kick coming. Someone will just be sitting next to her and then bang, they're getting drop kicked. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I love Natsupoi. I think she's a really, really, really good worker, and she's. she's I don't want to say showman she... as well. Oh, shut up. Um, (laughs) I don't want to say she's the designated pin eater for DDM, but at the moment she is the designated pin eater for DDM. Um, And she's so much more than that. She's so good in ring. So I look forward to her match with Azumi at Budokan. That that really is going to tear the house down. It really is. Um, As for this match, 
I loved it. I gave it four and a quarter. I, I give it four. It's really good. It's probably my starting match of the year so far. Wow, bold claim, bold claim. So it certainly should. It's a shame that it's happening this early in the year because for many mm-hmm. people, when it comes to the Stardom Cast Awards at the end of the year, which are you know, as you know, the most prestigious wrestling awards, um, people tend to forget matches like this just because they're right at the start of the year. But yeah, mm-hmm. really a noteworthy match, definitely, really, really good. We then main evented with a six-woman tag with Donna Del Mondo team of Julia, Micah, and Himika defeating the Oida Tai team of Saki Kashima, Konami, and B Priestley at 14 minutes and 46 seconds with the glorious driver. Chris, what do you think of this match? It, it was much better than I expected. As in, it was an actual match. <laughs> My opening my, my opening note on my phone for this match is, well, this was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, we're clearly did... on the same path, same uh, wavelength here. We did some stupid Oedotai stuff at the start, but then we kind of just started doing a match, and it turns out the members of Oedotai are good workers. It's insane, I know. Who'd have saw it coming? Um, I, I continue to really enjoy Saki. Like my, my biggest problem with Saki in Stars was she didn't show much personality beyond I'm happy to be here. And then here she's just sort of being a dick. It's great. <laughs> she, yeah. <laughs> she is really, really entertaining. Like, just, uh, she's just got a shit-eating grin on her face the entire time as well, which makes at, it all better. And at one point she was fucking choking. I think it was Micah she was choking. I'm like, damn. Just... Full on choking her, full on yeah, front mount and choking her. Yeah, and no one was count. It's ridiculous. Um, B was less vocal, which meant she was less annoying. <laughs> um, and Konami's Konami, Konami's fucking great. Um, and then I don't know Himika over the two Osaka shows sort of helped establish herself again. Because she's been lost in the shuffle recently, and you'd be forgiven for thinking if you got into start a massive five star, but Himika's sort of a no personality giant because she kind of stopped showing it because she was in weird places on the card. But like here, yeah. she here and especially in her Sayurida match, um, she showed a great amount of personality. She's doing fucking great now. I agree to a certain extent, and. Um... We'll talk about that a little bit more during the tag match um, on the 30th. I thought her exchange with B was a lot better in this match than Mm -hmm. it would be later on. I thought there was a real fire. Yeah, absolutely. It surprised me as well. How well B and fucking Himika were. What a weird pairing. Well, it worked really well here. And it was because there seemed to be an intensity in this match. I'll talk a little bit more about this in the Goddess of Stardom tag match. But yeah, I enjoyed that exchange. I enjoyed Saki just being a dick. As far as, going back to Himika, as far as you, you know, being lost in the shuffle, you are right to an extent. I mean, she came second in the Firestar. She came runner-up at Firestar? Five-star. Um, but since then, you think, you know, we've had Mike push for the red belt. We've had Suri push for the red belt and then the SWA. We've got Julia, who's at the white belt and seems to be in the main event of every single show. So, you know, she is sort of the de facto fourth person at the moment. Um, I imagine she'll now overtake Micah again, which is a shame because Micah, I think, was elevated from that red belt match with Utami. Um, Mm -hmm. I wonder how long it'll be before Himika gets a shot at the red belt. Um, But yeah, this match surpassed 
everything that I thought it was going to be. I see Oida Tai in the main event, and I do sort of go, oh, for fuck's sake. I do only watch Oida Tai matches because I do a podcast. However, credit where credit's due, Oida Tai over these three shows were good. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, think, I can't I fault them. But that's always my review of an Awedatai match. It was really good and maybe started doing Awedatai things, but we've sort of, over these three shows, they didn't get to that point and we just sort of were. And it was pretty good. Like, Awedatai don't have a, like, they don't have the, like, the end beta um, leader like DDM or Queen's Quest or Stars do. But they work as a little heel faction when they're doing little heel things and not hanging people every match. Like, I don't think it was just the DQs, but I was getting to us before. It was like, it was the fact it was the same kind of DQ every time and it took away all heat from what should be a fucking disgusting spot. But here they just wrestled a match and they're all pretty good wrestlers. And they did really well. And actually, we've been getting really good at um, heel moves. Spoilers for heel move that uh, Saki pulled out coming out um, in her old stars gear. Oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> uh, so funny. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> really? Okay, I'm into Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was just all sort of stuff here. There was sort of no give in this match. It was a bit of a slow start to establish a way to tie his heels. But apart from that, it was just all go. Yeah, never really have time. It slowed down. It was really good, for, especially for like the day um, main event of a two um, card day. Can't complain about this one. No, not at all. I gave it three and a quarter stars, Chris. I gave it three and a half. I'm more positive wow. on this one. Like, you are I think more positive I'm, today. It's weird. Okay, here's the thing. I'm more, I'm I'm more ready to give something a passing grade, but I'm less ready to give something an excellent grade. That's the difference between me and you. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so let's move to the evening show. The 24th of the 1st, again from Eddie and Arena Osaka. Number two, again, in front of 243 people. I'll just whip through these opening match results. Uh, opener, Ruaka defeats Lady C in 6 minutes and 59 seconds. And Himika defeats Saya at 8 minutes and 58 seconds. Um, the first match I want to talk about in any detail is this following match. So match three, Starlight Kid defeats Yunagi Sayaka at 11 minutes and 12 seconds with the Tornado Star Suplex. Um, Chris, what did you think about this? Um, it was better than I expected it to be because Kid isn't experienced enough to really carry people. And we've had issues with Nagi, especially as a... Well, I was about to say as a wrestler, but that's not what really what I mean. Like as an offensive wrestler in terms of like a move set, there's very little pop there, and like that's still kind of the case. But also, this match was grand; it was fine. I have no real complaints, but I have no real strong points. Yunagi's really good at working underneath; like she plays a really good um, underdog babyface. The problem, is, the only problem is when it comes t- sometimes for that pop, it doesn't always come but like starlight kid sort of helped carry her through that because i'm sort of liking how fucking bratty i think that's the best way i can put it starlight is right now that's the word i've used in my notes 
The whole um, picking her up by a pigtail and then doing the whole delicious thing in her face after the loss. I was like, that's a proper dickhead move. Yeah, and the like stomps at the like in the middle of the match where she's just holding onto the rope. The referee tells her to get on off. She gets off and then gets right the fuck back on. It was it was a proper five year old tantrum thing that was. Mm-hmm. So, um, Kid really helped to make this one, and Unagi's getting slowly better. I don't think he, um, she's progressing quite as much as Mina did, but she's still progressing, which is positive. Um, I liked the fl- the fire that Starlight Kid bought, and mm. you know, it all linked back to the initial promo that she gave. You know, I got beaten with the Tiger Suplex by Tam. So I'm going to show you, Nagi, what I've been thinking about. And what she's thinking about is her own variation of the Tiger Suplex, which is the Tornado Star Suplex, which is clearly adapted. So it was a nice little tie-off there. The, she's also added the Future Shock DDT as well to a moveset, which, yes, I'm here for that all day. The one glaring note here, and I am with you 100%, Unagi remains great on the back foot. Really, really good on the back foot. But I need to see more on our offensive matches like this. Fair enough, you know, Yunagi fine underneath against a Mayu, against a Julia, against a Utami, against a Momo. Or against Starlight Kid. And I know we're trying to get Starlight Kid over for the challenge later on in the night. But how many people on this roster is she going to fight from underneath against before she is the one who's got to deliver <laughs> the offense? I mean, I'm... <clears throat> I'm not being funny, but in the grand echelon of stardom at the moment, because I, I'm i not going to say I predicted that Starlight would challenge for the white belt, but, you know, I did. Um, in the grand echelon of stardom roster, Starlight Kid isn't in the top. She isn't in the upper echelon. So Yanagi should get far more than she does. Now, it's not that bad, because she does play the baby face in peril fantastically, and the way she is on the night of the 30th in that tag match is phenomenal. And she plays her part tremendously there, and I've got nothing for pray, nothing but praise for that match. But here, against Starlight Kid, she didn't really deliver anything against Sayurida in the match at Corican. So, you know, where do we draw the line? Against who are we going to see a sustained offense from Yunagi? That's my question. We've sorted one yeah. area, but where where do we go? If Sayurida is beating Yunagi, no offense to Sayurida, but who is there left? Ruaka? Lady C? Death. Death, who gets a pinfall victory for some reason in the opener on the thirtieth, and fucking hell I've got words about that. <laughs> I just I don't I don't understand where you draw the line, Chris. Do you see what I mean? I'm not I'm not um, trying to nitpick. But if you look at this three-way elimination, 12-woman tag match, okay, in the main event, you know, that's 12 mm. women on your roster. And it's not the biggest roster in the world. B, no, Konami. Roster. Yeah, B, Konami, Tora, Saki. All four of those beat Yunagi. And you would argue beat Yunagi quite easily. Julia, mm. Micah, Natsupoi, Suri. Uh, Suri, sorry. I'd argue all four of those beat Yunagi. Queen's Quest, Azumi, Momo, Saya, Yutami. Who is there left, Chris? You I know, don't know. Someone needs to be at the bottom, though. Like, 
That's even correct. when you even when you take away the kids, because um, that's one big thing that people complain about in a lot of companies. But it, it, you can't easily put people in a hierarchy. Everything's all built for everyone to be roughly equal. Stardom doesn't do that. The way Stardom does singles matches on smaller shows, you can easily create a Stardom tier list based off of that. And if you just base it off win loss records and random singles matches, you'd have about what most people would see as a Stardom tier list. So, like, yeah. do you really want Unagi beating pe- people right now? Because she's not at the point where she should be beating people, even from a storyline perspective. And I'm the first to jump on when I think someone's lost at the wrong time. I'm still mad about Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom. But I don't think Unagi losing here is the biggest issue. My biggest issue no, is No, 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 her... no. Let me clarify. I'm not bothered about Unagi losing. I'm not bothered about that at all. I'm bothered about how she's losing. Ah, well, yeah. But also, I that's think that's the issue to... I have. I think they've recognised that, and I think that's what the Unagi series coming up is all about. And she kind of showed um, signs of improving from your criticisms, and also they're also my criticisms um, in the DDM versus Cosmic Angels match on from the um, from Bell Cell. I can't wait to the... talk about that match. It is a good match. We'll get to that. Um, as for this match, I gave it three stars. It's it's a good match. It's a passable match. I gave it three. I gave it two and a half. Fair enough. See, I'm being more positive than you now. <laughs> for one match. I think this might be where we differ slightly. So match four was the singles match, Mayu Iwatani versus Tam Nakano, ending in a time limit draw at 15 minutes. Um, Jesus Christ, there is a reason we call Tam the master of the short match. She's so yeah. good at storytelling. The emotion of this match was excellent. And the disparity between Mayu, the first half of this match, Mayu takes nothing in this match seriously. Like, she doesn't understand the emotion that Tam is feeling. Like, you look at their opening promos, Tam is quiet, there's no cosmos, there's no kissing the camera, there's no delicious. She just says, I am no one's sidekick. Walks off. Mayu does a little bit, jumps off camera, jumps back on because she's forgot to do the check it out. You know, she tries to shake hands with Tam at the start. You know, is she not reading this situation at all? It's because she doesn't, still doesn't quite understand why Tam has left, the issues that Tam has. And I just really enjoyed that disparity. I just really, you know, Mayu laughing and treating this like a big joke. And then we get the second section of this match where Tam is literally forcing Mayu to up a game by German suplexing her into fucking oblivion. And then to Mayu, that third part, that breaking down at the end to Mayu finally realising just how pissed Tam is. And that's where we get that fantastic closing stretch. We get the countdown from the announcer, which is even, which just adds that even more drama to the match. I mean, this is this is the first in what I imagine is going to be a series of matches, maybe a trilogy, maybe just two. But it was a great start and a great base for where we're going for this feud. Really, really good match. Really solid match. The strikes sounded like they hurt. You've got cocky Mayu, which is, you know, the best Mayu for a situation like that. You've got focused 
Tam, you just felt the emotion in everything Tam was doing. You know, whether it be her kicks, her facials, the fact that she was basically in tears when the match finished. You know, grabbing Mayu's foot right at the end of the match. The emotion of the story, you felt it permeate the entire match. Before we go on to what happened afterwards, what did you think, Chris? Um, I liked it. I really liked it. Um, we two have had two other singles matches from before, just from a brief look at cage match, and I've seen both of them. And possibly controversial. This is their wor- This is still very, very, very good. This is their worst one, though. Well, it's always got the one that's up- worse. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. No. But like, I got the most. The one that's most fresh in my memory, obviously, is their fight because they're both. The other two were both in the five star and. The five-star one from last year is like a sleeper match of the year for stardom. Oh, it was class. Really, really it good was match. incredible. That felt a lot like this without a for conclude Because I'll go on to why the... Like, the draw didn't bother me for the reason you'd think, given my past of criticizing the draws of stardom. But also, um, I thought this was a tad less explosive. It was still really explosive. It's weird, because I said this when I put it in my match of the year thread on Twitter is that this was still very good, but I felt like we were holding something back for another match. Oh, yeah, yeah, Which, 100%. If you're, planning, if you're planning to do more, makes a lot of sense, but also that did slightly hurt this one a bit. We went towards a draw, and I kind of... It's weird, I forgot a draw was happening because they didn't really ask... We didn't really have anywhere to go after the start. We sort of stayed at one level of intensity. Mm-hmm. Which makes for really good watching, but also doesn't make for, um, like doesn't make for much to come out of it when you think about it beyond the turn in Mayu's head, which I think is going to make more for a ne- more interesting trilogy than this match being interesting. This match still like objectively bangs. Don't get me wrong. Like um, Tam taking Mayu to Suplex City, always going to be here for that. Oh, it was fucking great that was, <laughs> and. Um, May doing a dive, managing to knack herself, take notes, Carmella, Jesus. Uh, and it it was really good, incredibly good. And just wish we'd have done more to emphasize closer to the time limit, the time limit was coming. Because if you have a 15 minute time limit, when we announce there's a few, only a few minutes left to go, you're going to up the intensity. And we didn't, they just stayed at one constant, admittedly very high level. But the problem is when you say about high level, where do you go? I see where you're coming from, 100%. However, I think with a shorter time limit, even if it is only, you know, even if it is 15 minutes, which is, you know, deceptively actually quite a long time. Um, yeah, my last thing, because both matches went shorter and they used, and they had the exact same energy as this where they started at, because, for example, one at the five star started with a German, like straight away. Mm. So it we- makes perfect sense. Yeah. This is this is a starter match. You can argue that Mayu mm-hmm. not taking this match seriously led to a slower start, you know, a less explosive mm-hmm. start. You know, mm-hmm. the the five star, you've got a champion or a championship opportunity or, you know, the title of the five star or winning mm-hmm. your block as the inherent stakes. Whereas if one competitor is emotionally invested in this match and the other is very obviously not really understanding it. Then it is going to be slow, but mm-hmm. I do I completely take your point. It's they were holding stuff back, and I can understand why, because obviously we are 
absolutely getting this again on a bigger stage, um, which I think is going to be phenomenal. And I have a theory as to when that will happen. Um, I gave this, we'll give ratings, and then we'll talk about what happened afterwards. I imagine I know what you gave it. Did you give it three and three quarters? No, oh, I gave it four. Oh, I gave it four. Oh, okay, then we're on the same page. I Brilliant. St- <laughs> I, still think, I still think it's very good. I just don't. I just think with issues. Yeah, it falls short of. It definitely falls short of their five star match, but their five star match mm-hmm. was a sensational sprint. Mm-hmm. Um. So after the match, um, Yunagi sort of completely misinterprets the result and says that Tam has won, which Tam then corrects her, which is hilarious. Um. And Yunagi asks for a best of seven series against the strongest opponents in stardom, saying that she's proud of Tam um, and that basically she wants to prove herself to Tam. This is really nice just because it's nice to see Mm. Tam. She always wanted to be more than a sidekick. And now she has the sense of belonging and leadership that she just wasn't getting in stars and this little mm-hmm. bit from Yunagi is just as much for Tam as it is for Yunagi because ultimately what she wanted in stars that sense of belonging where she was constantly shunned by Mayu for Arisa or for Saki or whoever or for Starlight and Sairida Tam always saw herself as an outsider she's now seeing herself as belonging with Mina and uh, Yunagi, yes, she might be losing, but it doesn't matter because she's now got what she wanted. She's not a sidekick. And the post-match segment delivered that. So, first things first, how are you feeling about this seven-match series for Yunagi? Um, it's something for Yunagi to do because, as they call it, Cosmic Angels kind of have nothing going into Xperia. <laughs> well, that's not entirely so true. I know that's not entirely, but like Unagi, I should say, doesn't yes. have a ton going into Budokan. So like that's a good way. That's a good way to keep them busy. Um, they also can't defend good... the artist's belts because of injury. Yeah, and Unagi also has. Um, it means she's in the ring with people above her, so she'll have to rise to meet that energy. Sorry, to meet that energy. So it can only be good, really. Mm. Well, they can only be good. It could, it could very possibly be fucking awful, <laughs> but it can. But like, it's most likely going to mean good because when when you think of like mean because when Inagi came in, she sort of had nothing but random tag matches and a couple singles matches. Whereas when Mina got um, brought in, she immediately got thrown into tag league. Like she immediately got forced to wrestle the likes of like Mayu and um, who else did she wrestle in tag league? But like people above her station. And then she progressed very quickly. So I think Unagi's needed something like that. So hopefully it will mean Unagi can recognize and close up the holes in her game, which she's already started to do. So hopefully that trend will continue. Let's kick into the main event then. The three-way elimination, 12-woman tag team match. So this was between the Awida Tai team of B. Priestley, Konami, Natsukatora, and Saki Kashima, uh, the team of Donna Del Mondo, of Julia, Maika, Natsupoi, and Siori, and Queen's Quest team of Azumi, Momo, Sayakamatani, and Utami, uh, with the Awida Tai team coming out on top. Uh, at 18 minutes and 14 seconds, with B. Priestley eliminating Utami. Now, these are the rules, or these were the rules, should I say. Each team has four members. If three members of the team are eliminated, the team 
is eliminated. Uh, elimination occurs via pin, submission, DQ, and over-the-top rope to the floor. Now, Chris, the last time we had something like this was the two-out-of-three falls match. And the issue I had with that match was the pacing. Uh, we waited 14 mm. minutes for the first fall, and then three came along in the space of less than three minutes, I think. This mm. was a lot better paced. It was chaos and all over the shop, and I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed this match oh, this, so this was much. Such, this is such a fun clusterfuck. <laughs> and was. also, like, it it does play into everyone's strengths because Oedetai was um, doing better in the more chaotic environment. Oh, yeah, one, so, yeah like, absolutely. There's, there's big brain to this. It's not just dumb shit. It's, there's also big brain. And um, I kind of just love over-the-top ropes for um, B-shows because it means you can have something like B-eliminating Sire or B-eliminating um, Utami and no one bats an eyelid because it's over-the-top rope. can be written off as a fluke. No one's hurt, but no one... But B still gets a tiny bit of reckoning. It. It's like good stuff. This is a great thing to do for an undercard, especially considering all these people had to wrestle already, so we can kind of just fuck about for twenty minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was good fun, and we still had elements of story. I mean, Momo eliminated Suri, you know, ahead of their match. Natsupoi eliminated Azumi ahead of their match at Budokan. B Priestley eliminated Momo, you know, to carry on that trend of Momo having absolutely nothing on B Priestley, but there we are. And yeah, we still had those elements of story, which which was good. It wasn't just mindless nonsense, but it was just, it was chaotic car crash wrestling at its finest. And I must admit, I did really enjoy the closing segment with B Priestley and Utami. I mean, yeah, like I said, um, it's a case of Utami d- doesn't lose anything. B looks somewhat strong holding her own against the current Red Belt champ. Now, the question so, is, and... Chris... Oh, sorry, I thought you'd finished. No, go on. Now I was just going to ask, what did you give it, match rating-wise? Oh, I forgot to rate it. <sighs> I was too busy laughing at the end. <laughs> um, I gave it three and a half stars. I mean, that's about what I'd give it. It was a very fun match. It was really fun. So, let's move on to the main event of the podcast today, which was Stardom Nippon Budokan Great Eve Festival from the 30th. I know, tell me about it. It was bloody hard to say that, but there are harder bits in a second, so give me a sec. Uh, From the 30th of January 2021, so I've got a little apology to make, because I think I said that the show was at Corican at the end of our last podcast, but no, it was from Bell Cell, and right, (laughs) at Takadano Baba. Takadano. It was in Belsal. Um, in front of. <laughs> four... This is what happens when you have two idiots host a Japanese wrestling podcast. I ge- genuinely, I knew I would struggle to say this, and I practiced, and I practiced, and I practiced, and I still can't fucking say it. <laughs> did, you, did your girlfriend think you were having a stroke? <laughs> Taka. Takadana Baba, I think it is. Takadana Baba. Yeah, there you go. That's where it is. I've got it now. <laughs> Fabulous heat. <laughs> um, in front of 403 
people. So let's kick straight in then. Match one, Goki and Death defeated Lady C and Natsukatora at 5 minutes and 59 seconds with an O'Connor roll. Um, it is shit like this that makes <laughs> it so hard to see Tor as a fucking threat. She's in, a thro- she's in a throwaway opener and can't get the win against a clown and a rookie. Okay, Goku and Death has been set up to get quick flash pins before. She's a former high-speed champion, which is basically how every high-speed match ends. And also she got flash pins in Tag League over both Julia and uh, May. It's like losing Tiano, basically. It's not going to hurt you. But it's bollocks, Chris. You are trying to build Oedetai as these dominant badass bitches. And Tori loses the match. I mean, admittedly, she wasn't the one that got pinned. It just really pisses exactly. me off. So she, but she had the opportunity the to beat the shit out of these two people. For fuck's sake, the clown can't reach Lady C. She's too small. I mean, to be fair, that would make it a very different movie. It's just but... a complete. <laughs> it's a complete waste of time. Though, admittedly, I'm... the referee spot with Barb Sasaki was quite funny. So. I don't, I don't know how you have the energy to be mad about this, Matt. Like I'm mad about a lot of things. I'm a very angry person, but I, I, I can't bring myself to be mad about a flash Goku and Death win. It's like being mad when Yano rolled up Suzuki or whatever. Like, of course, that was going to happen. It's Yano. Like, it's Death. That's just what Death does. No, there's there's a difference between Yano, who at least wrestles, and Goku and Death, who does the fucking rock hands and you've yeah. got to you've no but that's how she punches people and you've got to sell it like <laughs> there is a point where you've you got to suspend you your disbelief you've disbelief and go have you ever death. been poked it hurts i'm sorry i can't suspend my disbelief with it it's bollocks <laughs> it, it is what does it bring what does it achieve nothing it's not funny it, it, she scares the fuck out of me it's just wank i gave it three quarters of a star and it was lucky at that Three quarters of a star. I gave it like I I didn't rate it. I didn't. I don't bother rating opening matches half the time because they normally just have the children. But yeah, I didn't. I I don't hate this match. <laughs> I just feel like Tora should win this match. She's the leader yeah, of a but... weeder tie. She's in the opener and she doesn't get the win here. How? It just nonsense. Because absolute death. nonsense. Death. Go <laughs> okay, hand death. Match two, uh, six-woman tag team action. Queen's Quest team of Utami, Saya uh, Kamatani and Utami and Azumi defeating the Stars team of Starlight Kids, Saya and Ruwaka at 9 minutes 11 seconds with a missile dropkick. <laughs> it was quite a good missile dropkick. So Lady C got put away with the Star Crusher. Ruwaka mm. got put away... With a missile drop kick, which I don't think I've it is, e- I don't think I've ever is, seen that be a finisher in Stardom. It, it is probably easier to knock out a child, to be fair. It's a little bit disrespectful. I mean, she's got that running <laughs> shooting star. Just do that. You use that to put away the children before. Just use that. <laughs> it was like she forgot to kick out. I was like, that can't be the finish. Surely. And then yeah, it was. Ten minutes. And, I mean, yeah, it it was weird. It was it was a very very str- well yeah very strange. Other than that, it was 
standard six-woman tag team. Um, there was a mm-hmm. great opening exchange between Azumi and Starlight Kid, but we had some really sloppy-looking spots from Sire and Ruwaka, like oh, miscommunications, exams. Sire was sloppy in the Osaka show before as well. Yeah. She almost dropped Himika. But again, I don't know why you'd have someone who is like three foot one pick up Himika, who is taller than Rob. It's just he's not. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest look for the person who's challenging for your red belt. No, um, it was. And then, like I say, the missile drop kick to finish. Really, um, yeah, it was. It was standard. It was a bit rough. I, I gave it a star and three quarters. Um, I gave it to you just for the um, Starlight and Azumi bit. I'm willing to concede that. It it was only as low as it was because it felt pretty messy, to be honest. Um, but maybe I'm just being harsh. Match three, then. Um, we saw a 10th anniversary special match with Mayu Iwatani defeating Saki Kashima at 11 minutes and 52 seconds with the Kishi Kasai. Um, we got a VTR for this match, Chris. We did. We never get VTRs. We got VTRs for three matches. I know. It well, was, they've uh, got their production values. They have a, they have a projector now. It's I must admit, it was nice to have... It certainly felt more upscale to have mm. these VTRs. It was very, very good. Um, I thought it was nice that they got it, especially this match got it, just because, you know, both women competed in the first year of stardom back in 2011. Um, with Saki debuting in June as opposed to Mayu, who debuted as the part of the first class trainings in January. I thought it was nice that they highlighted all the history that they got together, winning the Goddess of Stardom titles back in 2018. And then, out of nowhere, Saki Kashima comes out in her stars gear, which I thought was yeah, quite that, funny. That, like I can't tell if it was like just celebrating the 10 years of stardom, or she was just being a dick. Ultimate <laughs> shithousery. Ultimate yeah. shithousery. It was uh, like tremendous. It, it's like if you turned up to um, Annex Blackpool meeting in a um, Newcastle shirt, Garth would fucking kick off. Yeah, it would. Absolutely. Um, this was... <laughs> it was a weird match, wasn't it? Um, May you said in a promo that Saki would, you know, had asked for a clean match on Twitter. And uh, she knew it was mind games, but still fell for it because it's May. Um, but it was... It started hot, and then we had a weird fucking middle, like a really weird middle, and then like a decent ending. Well, that bit in the middle, Chris, fucking hell. (laughs) Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I mean, it's not a bad match. I want to put that out there. It's not a bad match. It was actually quite enjoyable. But in that middle segment, fucking hell. I mean, the the handcuffs break instantly the first time round. Instantly. Like instantly, it was. But, and they handcuffed her in a really, we handcuffed her in a really weird way as well, didn't we? Yeah, and then <laughs> may you like. I'm sorry, but there's two sides. Saki. But but with the handcuff, there's two sides to a handcuff, right? But she just handcuffed May's arm with the part of the handcuff her arm was in. That's not how handcuffs work. So obviously, they didn't take, and may you managed to get out instantly, but then still had to sell it like she was still in the handcuffs. Um, then, like I mentioned, Mayu drop, like, dropped Saki the first time whilst trying to do a crucifix and then dropped her again, almost running into the post. Then Mayu fell off the top rope because she pulled the handcuffs too much when she was tied to the top rope and fell off the... 
It was just, she then almost spikes herself coming off that suicide dive. It was a time. The middle of this, this match. Quite, this was quite the match. Jesus. I mean, like I thought, though, the, the in-ring action is actually really good. And then Mayu almost getting rolled up because of a complacency, only to beat Saki with her own move. I thought added a little bit to the end of the match. I mean, I gave it two and three quarter stars. It was a really enjoyable match. But fucking hell, everything in the middle that could have gone wrong went wrong. Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> I d- I don't know how <laughs> any of it was. Quite, it was like what it was like the first time you watched Vegeta versus Goji Izaki, and you're like, is is this actually what's happening? Is this <laughs> really what's going on? Just bizarre. What did you give it? What was weird at the middle of this or the end of Roman versus Owens? Oh, the end of Roman versus Owens. That was. <laughs> Oh, talk about <laughs> ideas that were better in better in thought than in practice. Fucking hell. Honestly, uh, Jesus. Yeah, let's, I, get, I gave it free because everything that didn't go wrong was really good and they overall enjoyed this match even when it was objectively really bad. <laughs> match four then. Tag team action with Donna Del Mondo team of Julia and Micah defeating the Cosmic Angel teams of Tam Nakano and Yunagi Sayaka at 17 minutes and 19 seconds. Julia tapping, well, submitting Yunagi with a sleeper hold. I loved this match, Chris. Absolutely loved it. Full respect to Julia. She told a great story here again. Yunagi over. She no-sold absolutely everything. Was a complete arrogant dickhead to the point that when Yunagi fought out of an STF or finally managed to knock Julia off her feet like three quarters of the way through the match, the crowd popped huge. And it wasn't forced at all. It was an organic babyface pop. It was great. It was really, really good. And just Julia literally just being a complete dickhead going, now hit me again, hit me again, hit me again, walking at Yunagi, who is shrinking into the corner. Just brilliant. And then you've got Tam coming in like this house of fire, you know, and Yunagi doesn't want to embarrass Tam, so she naively blind tags herself in whilst Tam is on top. Tam is completely unaware of this and has to be shepherded from the ring. Um, And then Instantly, Yunagi's beaten down by Julia again. Um, And then to finish her off with a sleeper hold, you know, a violent one, yeah, but it's a move that isn't even a finishing move, never mind one of Julia's, is the ultimate disrespect. Julia wanting to embarrass Yunagi here, and in the process, built her even more as a babyface. I mean, this, for me, has done more good for Yunagi than any other match that she's had in stardom so far. This is really good. Um, I do. Julia was definitely the highlight here because she was just a prick. Like even in the opening um, promo, she was like, "I want to make sure that um, Unagi has at least some bones left." So, like, you can sort of see how this match was going to go. But then it was played really well because again, Unagi's really good at coming from behind and the display of almost like foolish pride as she kept going for Julia. It was slightly ridiculous. I don't think this needed to be 17 minutes though. It did go a bit long. I will grant you that. It, it yeah, did go a bit long. It, it got to like the second time um, Unagi was going up to slap Julia and I'm like, take it home. Take it home. 
but other than that, the story was really good. Um, Tam and Micah didn't take away any um, of the attention from the main story going on, which is very hard when it's someone like Tam and Micah who um, are fairly charismatic in of themselves. So, yeah, I, I did enjoy this one. And like if they would have wrapped it up maybe five minutes earlier, we'd be talking something great. Um, I again, Julie is just the best part of this match. She's such a dick. She's imp- she's almost I can't like a... believe how much she's improved. Yeah, it's insane. Like she went from like this charisma vacuum um this time last year to now just actively one of the most watchable people on the roster. It's fucking insane. But the fact that she did it, not to get herself over, but how much mm. she got you na- like you heard the crowd. Like you, mm-hmm. Nagy fought out of that STF, and there was such an organic pop because people were so like, "Why is Julia being such a dickhead? Why is she being such a dickhead?" It was like um, Mikey Riprack in ECW. Exactly, that exact same energy. You beat someone down so much that they are going to become babyface. She just got always it. It was known great. as the only, always known as the only way that WWE know how to book a babyface. <laughs> um. We'll come to the ratings afterwards because I want to talk about um, what happened afterwards. So post-match, Julia implies that Unagi is crap because Tam is a crap teacher, which is harsh. Um, And the pair have just a great exchange, like a really emotion-fueled exchange. Really fantastic. Um, It results in Tam challenging for the white belt under any stipulation Julia wants, whether it's no DQ or exploding deathmatch, which we all want to see. I want so fucking hard. Um, Tam didn't. Tam used to do on death matches, didn't she? I don't know. I don't know. I think know. she did. I, I vaguely remember someone telling me that she did. And I don't care. I just want to see a start of a proper death match. Like I'm so. I was so disappointed after basically every Tora um, big match because I'm like, where's the blood? Where's the where's the piranhas? Where's the light tubes? Where's those ones a death match in a sauna. Um, where's the sharks? Where's the exploding cage? Um, where's the knife? Where's the gun? I I just want to see people get fucked up, quite frankly, and I just hope that's what that leads to at Budokan. I think if the issue that they had with you know and we talked about this at length on our last podcast, the issue that they had with the Torah and Julia match was they seemingly couldn't Held decide. Back. They couldn't decide how what they wanted to do, whether they wanted it to be a comedic one or whether they wanted it to be serious. And because they hadn't decided that, they did neither. They sort of found this horrible middle ground, which, you know, was both too long and achieved nothing. So if they're going to do an exploding death match, I mean, this is the feud to do it with. I mean, it was the best feud mm. of last year. So proper lean into the hatred these women have of each other. I mean, it's, it's irrelevant because I already know the stipulation, but I'm not going to spoil it for you, Chris, if you haven't seen it. So <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it I on haven't. next week's podcast. Um, however, this is all irrelevant briefly because Starlight Kid appears and challenges her instead. Um, the rise of Kid recently is amazing, and she isn't intimidated by Julia, which is great. They agree the match, but you get the feeling that the towel match will be before Budokan with. Tam take it. I this is my own personal thing because it's now been made official that Starlight and Julia will take place on the thirteenth of February on the first of those Corican shows. Um, I think that Tam will take the belt at Budokan. 
I think Tam takes the belt from Julia there. Um, and then we get Unagi's seven-match trial series, which starts with Julia, which is the perfect <laughs> way to start it. The perfect way to start it. Um, Chris, how do you feel about Starlight Kid charging for the white belt? I mean, I think both of us can ascertain that that's not going to be a title change, but it's nice no. to see Starlight Kid so- being elevated as well, in the same way that they did with Micah, in the same way they're doing with Saika Matani. It's a solid um, filler match, and um, didn't these two have a really good match with Five Star? They did indeed, yes. So, yeah, I'm I'm hyped for this. What did you give the match? Um, I gave it three and a half. It would have been three, three, three quarters, maybe even four, if we chopped off five minutes. See, I gave it four. I really enjoyed the emotion of this match. And again, Tam is just the greatest storyteller, but here I've got to give props to Julia and Unagi. You know, they're doing they did a really, really good job of building Unagi as this babyface, and hopefully the seven match series will cement that even more. I'm I'm looking forward to what they say. Um going on um what again at one two 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 Dragon Moon has said on Twitter again. This is a translation from a Shupro report about Julia slamming Unagi after the squash match on the thirtieth of the first. So this is what Julia had to say: I believe high-profile wrestlers should fulfil corresponding responsibility. I can't stand seeing such wrestlers putting on awful matches and causing disrespect to wrestling. Fucking hell. I actually like <laughs> Jesus. I actually like Unagi's arrogant and eccentric attitude, but it doesn't by any means make up for her local total lack of in-ring skills. If she thinks she can survive in this top stardom ring only with her fancy ring gears and social media skills, she's very much mistaken. Um I guess Unagi was in a poor learning environment in the past two years where everyone spoiled her. Her shoulder tackles were powerless and her attacks didn't even make me move an inch. Without such basics, there's no way she can survive the upcoming seven-match series. It should be Tam Nakano's role to reach Unagi, uh, to teach Unagi sorry, the harsh realities of fighting in the ring. But she seemed to be doing such a poor job, I decided to take over the role today. Unless she shows some improvement, she's an embarrassment and I really, don't want, and I really want her to leave stardom. <laughs> Hang on, not done yet. Um, I don't deny Starlight Kid's wrestling style as everyone has their own philosophy, but Kid and I are on totally different wavelengths. Her wrestling never gets me fired up and is the exact opposite of what I expect from wrestling. If she fights like normal, I'll beat her in an instant. Oh my god! <laughs> she just shooting <laughs> on every... On fucking, no one... <laughs> No one was left unfucking scathed there. <laughs> Jesus Christ! She has completely eviscerated Unagi there. Fucking, she oh might as well. She, she might as well be in like fucking cross legged at the top of a ramp. It's like Unagi. Hopefully, he's just sitting there as uncomfortable oh. as I possibly could be. Hopefully, I mean... this company will be better when Rossi is dead. Right, no one's going to be taking up. Like <gasps> that's fucking. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, obviously it's completely worked, but what yeah. a fucking promo. <laughs> what a promo. Why is she covering... Where, where was this cut? Was this cut in an interview? It was the post-match. I think it was Shupro reporting on the uh, the post-match interview with Julia. Okay. And honestly, no, on what a fucking promo. That what a promo. Why, why the fuck is that not on well? The post-match interviews never are. And it should be, but like fucking 
<laughs> Julia's my favourite wrestler now, just on that fucking promo. Honestly, I laughed so much. I mean, I just I can't believe this is the same person we were ragging on in February of last year. The person who fucking every promo died a fucking died death. A de- but she's just she's just coming to her own and that are oh, amazing. Amazing. But even Jesus. that promo makes you want Unagi to beat the shit out of her. <laughs> it makes you want Tam actually, to beat the shit out of her. So even though it looks like she's completely putting herself over, she's actually doing an absolutely tremendous job. I, I'll be completely honest. I just want to see Julia go on like a reign of terror. Unbelievable. Like, absolutely tri- amazing. Tri- like Triple H style fucking no jobs, brother. <laughs> um, Let's move on then. So, semi-main match five, Goddesses of Stardom Championship match. Awida Tai, a team of Konami and B Priestley, the champions defeating Himipoi at 13 minutes and two seconds <laughs> with the triangle arm lock. Um, I'm never going to get used to that fucking name. <laughs> Chris, what do you think of this match? Um, I was disappointed, to be honest. I thought there'd be more in this match, and just kind of okay. It was fine. Like, nothing really to write home about. The um, exchanges between Konami and Natsupoi were good, but actually yep. properly really good together. They should have a proper program. Um, but aside from that, I just... Uh, it didn't... Especially like the stuff between B and Himika, where it hit so hard um, the last show. Didn't hit at all here. Like, nothing really. Like, even like B trying to go like... Toast to toe and arm lock with Himika. Like, she's smarter than that. Come on. You've pretty much like, quoted my notes verbatim. I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> I, 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 I liked portions of this match. You know, Konami and Natsupoi. You know, we talked mm. about how good their singles match was before yeah. the, um, the chair stuff. But even that sort of worked in with the match. And Konami did a great job working the arm. It plays into the finish. Pardon me, which I liked, even if it came by nefarious means. But Himika was a was pretty much a complete non-entity in this match. She was barely mm. in the in the ring, and then exactly like you said, her and B's sequence just it didn't seem to click. It had no intensity. It didn't feel like a title match. If anything, the match that they had on the first on the afternoon show of the Osaka show on the 24th, that had more intensity than this did. And this well, was a title a match. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought Natsupoi was great. Um, she did just enough throughout the match to remind us of the arm damage she'd suffered before the finish. You know, she kept shaking it. She kept moving it. I don't know if you noticed, but she did the pinfall but couldn't hook the legs, which I thought was... It was a really nice touch. Um, she didn't sell it too much. She didn't sell it... You know, she wasn't inconsistent with it, which was really, really important. Um, but ultimately, she ends up um, tapping out to Konami's um, triangle arm lock after B Priestley hits her with a chair. But I will just say, Natsupoi stared at B Priestley for a good two seconds before B <laughs> hit her with a chair. She knew exactly what was coming. And I think that was pretty much a it sort of summarised this Rob- match. It summed up God this match, really. God, Rob, sometimes it's just never enough for you. Um, <laughs> I found a new one. I'm so proud of myself. Well done. Um, 
I did enjoy Natsupoy and Konami, but yeah, this this match didn't quite reach the heights that mm. I expected. Um, but um, just before B Priestley can make us all cry with her stupid show pie thing, uh, Himika stops <laughs> her and says that neither of them has pinned her and she has another partner. And I genuinely expected Kenta to appear, and I'm so disappointed he didn't. <laughs> what? what? Why? Why did you expect? Just, he's appearing fuck? everywhere now. Just <laughs> genuinely expected. Lights out. Kenta to appear. No, GTS. Just, uh, just light goes out, and then... <laughs> it's not Kenta. Madonna's like a prayer starts playing. It's great, though. <laughs> Um, Every time lights go out, that's what I expect. It's no longer Undertaker, because he's too busy being mad that people play Nintendo. Uh, it's, it's always going to be great. <laughs> uh, but no, it's Micah. Um, I'd love this to be a storyline of just Himika's partners keep getting pinned as she just challenges with a new partner every show. Just runs through the roster. <laughs> isn't that basically what Utami had before she sat on Tire last year? I think so, yeah. For fuck's sake. <laughs> it would be great just, well, you still haven't pinned me, so I'm now going to team with Saki. But she's part of our stable. Does it matter? No. <laughs> Is Saki going to say no to me? <laughs> um, yeah, it was just it was a touch disappointing. I gave it two and three quarters, Chris. I, uh, I gave it two and a quarter. I wow. didn't like it. <laughs> I did not like it. Well, averages out of two and a half. Um... I don't know what it is. I think it might just be just... I can't even say it's a lack of chemistry because we talked about how much, you know, how not how good being Himika were on the first night, but they worked a lot better on the first night. Maybe it's just a case of it didn't quite work here. Who knows? We'll see uh, during the next title match, which has also been made official for the Corican card, I believe, on the 13th again. So we will be seeing them again. So hopefully they're... Chemistry has improved somewhat. Um, match number six and the main event was the SWA Undisputed World Women's Championship with the champion Suri defeating Momo Watanabe at 18 minutes and 16 seconds with Genbu. Now, um, I was interested um, by the name of this finishing move and I actually found a thread um, regarding this. And I think it might have been Niagara Drive. I'm going to keep calling them that because I can't remember their actual handle. It, the person who formerly known as, the artist formerly known as Niagara Driver, um, had mentioned about the finishing move and how there was a few of them. And underneath, um, at blue underscore Kano one said she hasn't used the Azure Dragon yet. That's the one that symbolizes spring, whereas Gembu, which translates as the black tortoise, is winter, and Suzaku, which translates as the familiar bird, is fall. The one she used on Momo is Gembu. So we did a little bit of research, and basically these are all in reference to the Chinese constellations. So in Chinese constellations, there are four mythological creatures that guard the world in four directions. So uh, these are named four symbols, or the four mythological symbols. Um, they are called the Azure Dragon, the Vermilion Bird, the White Tiger, and the Black Tortoise. So the Black Tortoise, or Gembu, is what she broke out in this match. Uh, we've seen her use the Blue Dragon before. She has locked that in on several occasions. I believe we are yet to see the White Tiger. So it'll be interesting to see when she breaks out that move. Um, I thought you'd appreciate that little bit of research, Chris. That is incredibly interesting. 
thank you very much. And I can't help feeling, <laughs> feeling that you've been incredibly sarcastic. But we'll move past it. Um, I was genuinely impressed with my own little bit of research there, dickhead. Um, <laughs> what do you think of this match, Chris? This is a good match. Um, okay, I, I do have complex feelings, though, as I'm one to do. Because um, I felt like in their last match where they were holding something back, but this match just felt like their last match, but with a finish. Which makes me like it a bit less than their last match. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, I feel like they've given, they end up inadvertently giving away several aspects of this match in other matches. Yeah, but I suppose, you know, you can argue with any sort of trilogy, with any sort of match series, you're always going to have callbacks to previous matches. Yeah, but there's a difference between callbacks and just repeating stuff. Like, like for example, between like um, Naito and Okada, they do callbacks, but Naito and Ibushi, they repeat shit. See, I I didn't think that. I thought I get your point. I do get your point, but I don't think they repeated enough for it to be an issue. And I think if you've got two wrestlers, you can't expect brand new spots every single time they match up. I think you can take on little bits of your previous match. And I think that's all it was, or it was for me anyway. Yeah, I can see that. What else did you struggle with? Um, well, in school, writing, making friends. Um... Aww. <laughs> Aww. Calligraphy. Um... Fuck does calligraphy at school? And I don't know. I don't. I couldn't remember what I did at school and panicked. <laughs> calligraphy. <laughs> I've never done calligraphy in my life. Um, to be beyond that, no. Like honestly, I think much highly of this match if I hadn't have seen their um, last match. But I have, and it kind of felt very similar. And I guess, like, because these two don't do a lot with each other, they basically do kicks and grappling. And they didn't add anything completely new to that. It was still really good. Still, like, incredibly good. But I felt like been there, done that kind of thing. See, for me... I No, I do... I, I get what you're saying, but... For me, it was a match built around one-upmanship and begrudging respect. I mean, you got the first third of the match that was for really cagely with them first attempting the same moves but them being blocked and then attempting to do them better faster stronger harder see it's yuri claimed that she wanted to see the scary side of momo and you can't help but think that momo was a little bit reticent to let it out even though she said she would do in her promo and Suri literally had to beat it out of her at one point which i thought was quite cool um i think they're trying to do or the impression that I get here is they're almost in a crisis of confidence with Momo. Momo has the opportunity to win. She hits two B-drivers, one on the apron, one in the ring, and then she opts for the Tequila Sunrise instead of hitting the Peach Sunrise, which she pauses and bottles it, and that's all it takes. Yuri's fought out of it, and she ultimately wins. Um, You know, she's not going to take that chance. She knows that Momo is on par with her. She needs to break out something brand new to make sure that this match is done. And that's where the Genbu comes. 
or Jambu, I, I don't know how you pronounce it, one of those two ways. And I think that sort of almost doubting herself that Momo has got the idea of Momo fighting with herself about whether she can do it on a big stage is really intriguing. And the fact that Suri has got that confidence to know how to put someone away when she's given the opportunity and Momo not quite getting there. I mean, she's had a shocking run of results. She's had a shocking run of results in title matches on the big stage. And yet again, she has fallen at the final hurdle because ultimately, in in my eyes anyway, of a mistake she made. She could have hit the Peach Sunrise. She opted for the Tequila Sunrise and Siori kicked out. And ultimately, she never regained that control. Siori won the match. And I think it's a really, really intriguing storyline they're telling with Momo. As I spoke to you earlier, I don't know if it was before we came on air or at the start of the podcast, there's something happening with this Momo storyline. Something is going to happen because post-match, Suri puts over Momo huge. Like, talks about her power and basically bigs up all these things that Momo has got. And you just feel something's going to happen between these two. I mean, Momo, you can argue, is out of favour in her own faction. On the flip side, Suri needs to step out of the shadow of Julia. You know, if she wants to take that big step she's going to have to step out from behind Julia or out of Julia's shadow. A new faction, maybe? I mean, if that is where, if that would be where we headed, a Surian Momo faction? Fucking hell yes! What about you, Chris? Um, I do like the storyline coming out of it. I do like... It's hard to do something like you're doing with Momo right now where you give them basically a bad streak. Because it either goes two ways. One, you either lean too much into it and end up fucking them in the long term, like, I don't know, MVP back in, like, 2009. Or you lean into it not enough and you, and it ends up not feeling like a redemption arc. Like, basically every fucking time we ever try it with Okada. Yeah, the G1 Climax so, 28 is, oh, the, is the, the big example. Or 30 were being real. Um, or 30 with the money clip, yeah. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, they seem to be finding a good balance for it here. Whether or not they can tie this up properly is another matter. It's a very, very hard storyline to pull off. It depends on where they want to go with it, to be perfectly mm. honest. I know that sounds really daft because duh, obviously, but it depends what the end game is. If the end game mm. is the creation of a new faction or Momo coming out of Queen's Quest, because ultimately, at the moment, she is she is fourth on the totem pole. Isn't mm. she really? I mean, I know she's got this really iconic match, you know, this really high-profile match, Kombudakan against Nene Takahashi, but coming out of this, I mean, we need to mention, of course, that Suri challenges Azumi for the SWA Championship after Azumi beat her in the five-star, and that's made official. So, again, she's the only one not challenging for a belt. I don't know. Something's going on, and I think Shuri is going to be involved. There's a begrudging mutual respect between them, not to the extent of Konami and Shuri, but there's there's something here. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see where the endgame is for these two. Um, Yeah. 
it's going good so far. It's just about can we stick the landing? Exactly. Um, what did you give this match? Um, three and a half, verging on three and three quarters. I think I was a little bit more in love with it than you. I gave it four. Mm. Not not mm. hugely, but um, yeah, I was a little bit more in love with it than you were. Overall, Chris, what did you think of the Budokan Great Eve Festival show? Fun show. I enjoyed myself. It was about as a tiny bit better than a lot of Corricans we saw in like the middle of last year. I don't think anything will be troubling people's end of year lists. No. Um I think tag match potentially between uh Julia and Micah and the Cosmic Angels. Um I think that's probably the only thing that will touch the uh, end of year lists. However, let's look ahead. As I've already said, I know that there is or there have been shows on the 6th and the 7th as we recall, but there are only two matches up. We will review those next week. Um, There are three shows next week. Uh, There's one on the 11th at KBS Hall in Kyoto, uh, and then there are two Corricans back-to-back on the 13th and the 14th of February. So just very, very quickly, Chris, want to run through these cards, if that's okay. So on the 11th, we have got um, Natsupoi taking on Lady C in singles action. We've got Tam Nakano taking on Ruaka in singles action. Tag action with Micah and Suri taking on Konami and Saki Kashima. Um, the second match of Yunagi's um, seven-match series, uh, this time against Azumi. Uh, tag semi-main between uh, Julia and Himika, and B Priestley and Natsukatora. And then a six-woman tag, Mayu, Saya, Ida, and Starlight Kid, taking on the Queen's Quest team of Yutami, Momo Watanabe, and Saya Kamatani. Um... Nothing really to write home about on that card, Chris. I'm excited <laughs> for the tag, uh, Suri and Mike versus Konami and Saki Kashima. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm I could either take it or leave it. I suppose the tag between Julia and Himika and B and Natsukatora that could be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's hard to have a stardom card that doesn't have potential. Yeah, I mean, the seven-match series as well, Yunagi and Azumi could do well there. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the pace of Azumi. I'm just wondering how Yunagi is going to do with that. That'll be that'll be quite an interesting dynamic. I look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Let's have a look at the Corican cards then. So the 13th of February, which is the Saturday show, is as follows. We have got a three-way battle. Um, a three-way, sorry, a three-way tag elimination battle um, with Utami and Momo taking on Saeeda and Ruwaka and taking on Gokik and Death and Lady C. We've got a six-woman tag. Micah, Himika and Natsupoy of Donna Del Mondo taking on the Oedatai team of Konami, Natsukatora and Saki Kashima. Um, we've got a singles match between Sayakamatani and B Priestley. Tag match, which is certainly interesting. Um, we've got Mayu Iwatani 
and Rin Kadakora from Marvelous, who of course has, I believe, just been added into the AEW Women's Elimination Tournament, uh, taking on Tam Nakano and Yunagi. Um, and then we've got two title matches. So we open up semi-main, uh, Suri versus Azumi for the SWA World Championship, and then World of Stardom Championship on top with Julia taking on Starlight Kid. Um, Chris, what's your opinion there? Hmm. That's going to be a good card. It's going to be bad because every time someone from Marvelous appears in um, Stardom, I, I come out of it thinking, oh shit, I need to watch Marvelous. No, I, yeah, I understand that. Um, you can only watch so much, though, Chris. I, I, well, I, I, I do. I, I am currently unemployed. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, fair enough. That is true. Um, I'm excited for obviously the two title matches. I think the two title matches are going to be absolutely fantastic. I am also very, very excited for that tag match. Mayu and Rin Katakura versus Tam and Yunagi. That could be absolutely tremendous. Very, oh, yeah, very excited for that. Yeah. Um, so the second night, this is the Valentine's Day show on Sunday at Corican. Uh, we have the following card. So we've got Gokin Death versus Lady C. Uh, Momo Watanabe versus Ruwaka. Uh, Siori and Natsupoi taking on Natsukatora and Saki Kashima. The third match in Unagi's seven-match series, taking on Mayu Iwatani. Uh, tag match, um, Azumi and Mei Hoshizuki taking on Starlight Kid and Saya That is going to be very tasty. Um, special four-way battle between uh, Yutami, Saya Kamatani, Julia and Tam Nakano. That's going to be a very, very good match. And then your main event is the Goddesses of Stardom Championship match, B Priestley and Konami taking on Micah and Himika. Chris, mm-hmm. I think for me this is the weaker of the shows. Um mm-hmm. there's still things to get very interested, there's still things to get excited about though. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um but again, I in terms of like Corican cards, I think people have sort of Sometimes when we, well, because we still sometimes see it where people are mad about what um, cards look like for Corican shows, and Corican shows aren't currently Corican shows because we can only sell so much. Mm. So, like for what these are, which is like the Osaka shows, are like C level versus B level, perfectly acceptable B level cards. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and like I said, you know. We'll see what the chemistry is like in the main event, but I'm mm. actually more excited about the tag match, uh, Azumi and Mei Hoshizuki versus Starlight and Saeeda, and the four-way as well, mm. especially with the dynamic between Utami and Sai Kamatani. With them being against each other here, it makes for a very, very mm. interesting matchup. Yeah, that could be really interesting. Finally, then, let's just answer a couple of your questions. So we've got um, from at Irvin Sanders 3, the Wrestling Enthusiast podcast. Uh, He says, big fan of your podcast. Thank you very much. Hope you're doing well. We are. Who do you think can challenge Saya Ida for the future of Stardom Championship? (sighs) That's a tough one because... I I wouldn't be surprised if you got Himika. She did just beat Ida. Yeah. 
Do you think that's slightly below Himika? No. No, I think um, what Himika was getting before was slightly above her. <coughs> yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I just... Yeah, yeah, why not? I was I was going to go Mina Shirakawa. Um, I mean, Mina would go along with the current Cosmic Angels and um, Stars feud, but yeah. I mean, would you... She's due back in March, so we'll see. The problem mm. is, like, you've got Sai Kamatani, who, of course, is at the moment being elevated to main event, um, for the moment anyway. Um, Micah, who's just come out of the main event and has just held the belt, I personally think Micah is above that belt now. Um, she's done that. There's no need to go back to it, for me anyway. Um, the only thing is then, once you've run through Yunagi, Mina and Sayakamatani, you're then looking at maybe Himika um, and then you've got the kids. So... Mm. It depends if they're going to expand their roster anymore. Otherwise, I mean, you are looking at Mina Shirakawa or Himika, I would have thought. I think they're the two, really. I'd be surprised if Mina Shirakawa didn't challenge for it in the next, well, when she returns in the next month. I'd, I think she will be first. But I could be wrong. I think Himika's a good shout as well. Um, Lone underscore Sabre on Twitter has said as well... Um. Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm re- reading the wrong bit. Oh, um, so it's a couple of weeks. I was going to ask myself if Stardom is going to soon either invest in the Momo B Shopai storyline. Uh, I mean, this thing is going on. I think since last December, so I expect them to collide in the near future. But I don't see how. Um, what do you think about that, Chris? Do you think they are going to invest in that storyline? Do you think we are going to get? some manner of blow-off to that, or do you think it's a case of, now nah, we're done now? And it's just it's just a case that B's just doing that for the sake of B doing it. Honestly, both are equally plausible. Like, we see a lot where people, where, like, wrestlers will just plant storyline seeds in the hope that the story will be picked up on. So, I wouldn't be overly surprised if it was just that. Because, as it stands, they never... They don't seem to acknowledge it outside of the promo itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, you did have B then eliminate Momo in that elimination tag, and I know it's a throwaway tag on pretty much a house show, but I, th- I think we will get something eventually. We will have Momo beat B Priestley in some manner of high-stakes match. Um, it's just leading that way. It's been going on too long now for it to just be a throwaway thing, in my opinion. I think there has to be yeah, some guess, manner of I payoff. The, I guess if we didn't want anything to do with it, they would have told us to stop ages ago. Exactly, exactly. It just it makes sense. Plus, you know, you are consistently putting down one of your best talents. So whether you're going to use them or not is irrelevant, I think. If you're going to do that, you need some sort of comeuppance for B Priestley. Otherwise, yeah. what's the point? It makes no sense. When that is, yeah. I've got no idea, but I imagine it will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, the Discord. Um, and I got this person's name wrong last time, and I really don't know if this is the right pronunciation of it, but Pippo, I think. 
I think it's Pippo, uh, in our Discord, has just said, regarding the Budokan show, any thoughts on the Red Belt title match? Is Torsaya fitted for such a high-stake battle? Um, uh, I'm going to answer that one first, Chris, if you don't mind. Um, I don't think it's a case of whether she's fitted for such a high-stake battle, um, simply because she hasn't been in that position before. I don't think it's a case of them wanting her to feel like a main eventer now. It's a case of giving them exposure. Um, no one expects Sayaka Matani to win. Um, I think she'll put on a very good match because her and Utami have fantastic chemistry as they've shown in their tag team. Um, it's a case of elevating younger members of their roster. You know, they are investing in their future and they've they've made that glaringly obvious with the way they're booking things, with what they've said. You know, they are building toward a, you know, in inverted commas, a Tokyo Dome in 2024 and 2025, I think they said. And they want younger members of their roster. They want to be able to, you know, switch in someone. You know, they did it with Micah in the 10th anniversary show. You know, a lot of people said, well, she's not main event worthy. No, but having that match elevated her tremendously. And now I think both me and Chris said we wouldn't be opposed to seeing Micah go for the white belt or the SWA belt. You know, she's, it's elevated her. And I think that's what they're doing with Saya Kamatani. Um, is it the, you know, for lack of a better phrase, is it the sexiest match on the card? No. Is it the most exciting match they could put on at Budokan? No. Um, but it is a statement. And I think that's the main thing here. Chris, what about you? Last thing, this strikes me more of a statement than a match because that seems to be both Red Belt. That seems to be what both Red Belt um, matches have said this year is that we're a company that pushes our young talent which is a good statement to make we talked at length as to whether that was a white run um, when the match was first announced but in terms of is it going to be a good match? Yeah, probably I mean, I'd hope these two would have chemistry after teaming with each other all year and but both of them have proven to have good matches with people who may need a bit of carrying like um, Size one where Himika. Hmm. So I see no reason to be pessimistic about this, but there's not a massive reason to be overly optimistic. However, the build has been good. I think if this was on a Korokin show, no one would bat an eyelid. I think it's just because it's on Budokan, which makes complete sense. But also, if that's the statement they're going for, I don't know why you drop that statement on Budokan. It's a hard, it's a hard line to cross, isn't it? It Cause, is like you, because on one hand you need to, you want to put over that you push your younger talent, but on the other hand, you need to draw. <laughs> and but yeah. like Utami's more proven than Saya, but in the grand scheme of things, neither are overly proven. No, of course not. Of course not. So we don't know. <laughs> we literally don't know. I think it's like say. Especially at the moment, it feels like we are transitioning these future stars up mm. the card to give them that taste, to give them, to get them acclimatized to those big field matches. Um, no one in their right mind is coming into Budokan thinking that they're going to win, uh, that Sai is going to win. Um, it's all about the future, and I think it's a it's a brave thing to do, and I commend them for doing it. I think if they were going for a drawing match, you know, a high stakes set. 
keep saying sexy, but you know what I mean, a sexy matchup, you do mm. a Utami versus Mayu rematch or Utami versus Julia in a double title match or some something like that. But that's not what they're doing. They're doing an investiture into the future, which, again, I highly, highly commend them for. So we'll wait and see. I mean, the Micah match completely surpassed all my expectations. I, I know I liked mm. it a lot more than you did, Chris, but even you said it surpassed your expectations. So, you know, mm. we've got to give them credit where credit is due. Um, the Final question, Chris, and this is more me, to be honest. Are you a little bit underwhelmed with the Budokan card? No, not at all. I think it looks like it's going to be a really good show. It's okay. one of those things. Like, okay, you remember All Out? Not All Out, All In. Yeah. And people were initially very disappointed with that card because it didn't have that big surprise. It didn't have CM. Like, when it was announced, no, after it happened, you know, like we didn't have that CM Punk. We didn't have that um, Daniel Bryan. Like, um, because people have been pushing, oh, this is going to happen. But in reality, we've got all the rumored, like, big dream matches like Mayu, um, Yoshiko, and um, Nene versus Momo. And we have a, a solid, but maybe we don't know how great it's going to be, red card belt. It looks like we're going to have the rekindling of a really good rivalry for the white belt. Honestly, I have no massive issues with the Budokan card. Like, I honestly. Um, with the exception of maybe the main event not being the best we could have done, it's a pretty fucking solid card. Like, so far from what we have. I think the addition of having Julia and Tam on the card mm. will help it. I mean, it does completely telegraph that Starlight Kid isn't winning. <laughs> but I think everyone yeah. knew that this was a filler defense. It'll be a good defense, but a filler defense nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, I think adding that, that blood feud, you know, that feud that's been building since, you know, what, May? Mm. of last year um yeah i think that's going to help the card somewhat um and again i think mayu versus yashiko is going to be an absolute barnstormer i'm really excited for that match i'm excited for momo and nene takahashi as well but i'm i'm mm. really really buzzing for mayu versus yashiko really excited especially given their history um Anyway, Chris, let's hold it there. We have been talking for over two hours, so let's stop it there. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. We will be back next Sunday. We apologize for the gap. Um, In the meantime, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are literally everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever. Please go and subscribe. Please leave us a five-star review and a comment. It really, really does help us to go up the ranks in those podcasting charts, so that would be great. Go and check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk, for all our archived podcast episodes and our match ratings, including the shows that we've done today uh, you can talk to us on twitter at at the stardom cast we have merch now uh for some completely random reason because it's fun you don't have to buy it but go and check it out why not it's it's fun and some of them have turned out okay just for a bit of a laugh you know just yeah look at it <laughs> you don't have to buy anything just go and look at it um, we have no stakes in this we don't it's just for a bit of a laugh i'll be perfectly honest um you can talk to me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. Chris, where can they find you? Um, ah, fuck, I, I haven't remembered my... It's Chris Loves Pura. Yeah, Chris Loves Pura. <laughs> we'll be back same time, same place next week, guys. Join us then. We'll talk to you guys again soon. 